Hi, welcome to our podcast. To learn more about Liverpool One Church, join us live, give financially and to get involved, head to liverpoolonechurch.com. We believe God wants to do great things in and through your life today. Enjoy this message. Incredible lyrics to an incredible song. And I don't know if you're aware of this, but what you've actually just done is lay down foundation for you ready to receive what God wants to speak in your life. You've opened your mouth and you've declared faith and you might be here saying, well, you know, I'm just a guest. But let me tell you, those words that you've just sung there, upon this rock, you don't know who the rock is, you will by the end of today. His name is Jesus we're going to introduce you to him and we build our lives based upon him his word and his truth and as I've been preparing this message for you today I believe that God's been preparing your heart ready to receive what he wants to speak into your situation at such a time as this so you can either come to church today and hear some words from me or you can hear a now word from God for this season of your life. It depends how you choose to hear it. But if you're listening through the ears of upon this rock, I build my life, then I promise you God has got something that he wants to articulate to you today. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you God as we stand in your presence and in your house. God, as we've put time aside to gather as the local church, that God, you will come and do what only you can do. You will make a word that is spoken to everyone unique for someone. You can take many, many words, Lord, and you can land them home like arrows in the hearts of someone in here today who's feeling hopeless or maybe just a little bit lost. I pray, God, God, that you will take the words that I speak and that you will turn them into arrows, God. And that, Holy Spirit, you would move amongst us and we would open the ears of our heart and the eyes of our heart, God, and we would see you, hear you, sense you, feel you in this place like maybe we haven't before. I pray, Lord God, that nerves are gone from me, God, and I am able to speak your words of wisdom and truth. And we ask this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Go ahead and take your seats. Okay, it's so good to see you in church today. If you're in the room, well done. You guys coming out on such a sunny day. The sun is shining. Of course it is. The kids are going back to school. And if you're checking in online, we love you. You're as much part of this family as the rest of us who are in the house. And we long for the day that we too get to see you in the house of God. Well, today we're starting a brand new series. Um, We've loved um, our previous series at the movies. It's been incredible. I was a bit grieved that I didn't get to speak in in the movie series because I thought that would have been quite fun. But today we start a brand new series called Mark My Word. 
And we're going to be basing ourselves for the next four weeks in the book of Mark. And we're going to be looking at some of the quotes, sayings, stories, and teachings of Jesus and what they mean and how they translate to our life today. Mark my word, it's a bit of an old-fashioned saying. My nan used to say it a lot. She'd say, If you keep climbing on that furniture, Emma, there will be an accident. Mark my word. Mark my word is usually with the finger out. The phrase mark my word, it means take me seriously. You better believe what I'm about to say. And so we're going to be looking through the book of Mark at some stories of Jesus and some some places and have where Jesus is saying to us, you need to take me seriously on this. You need to believe what I'm about to do or about to say. If you're looking for a subtitle for today's message, I've simply called this Vision for Your Future. Because we all want vision for the future, right? We don't want to be going into our future blindsided. We want clarity. I don't know if any of you remember doing magic eye pictures. If you were a child of the 90s, you sure would have had a magic eye book. I can remember sitting on my bed with the boys when they were small, and we would do these magic eye images. They look something like this. They look a little bit like mosaic-type patterns, and they don't look anything in particular. But with the magic eye, just show me your hand so anybody know what a magic eye book is. If you have never done this, you need to go home, Google one, and do it. I have lost hours of my week in my office this week. If anybody had come in, they would think I was balmy, because the way the magic eye pictures work is there is a hidden something in the picture that you cannot see by glancing at it. Like there is something hidden within that sequence of patterns that you can't see unless you get really close up. So we'd hold the books like this, really close to your face, and then sort of go into this long, hard stare. You kind of let your eyes focus. And all of a sudden, there is a dinosaur or a solar system or a palm tree. And I spent this week with my nose up against the screen of my Mac studying for the word. And um, it is fascinating. They are like holograms. They are like pictures that you feel you could step inside and you could walk all the way around. What was 2D now becomes 3D. And this object, this picture, and once you've seen it, you cannot not see it unless you take your eyes off the image. I think for some of you, this is given language to your faith life. I think for so long, you have come to the church and you know about Jesus, but you don't know what it is to see Jesus. It's like, I know there's more to what I'm experiencing. I do have faith, Uh, But when I come to the church, I see the people and I see the platform. And when I read the Bible, I see the words that are in front of me. But when I look at the excitement on the faces around me, I know they're experiencing something that I cannot see. I can't see what everybody else sees. I know about Jesus, but I want to see Jesus. 
I want to see his healing in my life. I want to see my marriage restored through his eyes. I want to know what it is to see Jesus, but everything looks a little bit blurry right now. Do you know when you read through the Word of God? So we're going to have a little bit of a how to read my Bible moment. When you read through the Word of God, you will see patterns of God. And these patterns of God are hidden all throughout the Bible. And they talk about His character, His personality. It talks about what God is like and how God works. God is not an ad hoc God. God is not a haphazard, accidental type of God. God is systematic. He works to plan and He works on purpose, for purpose, all of the time. You just got to understand his patterns. Once you understand the patterns of God for your life, you will understand how God works in your life. And you know, when you begin to study and understand his patterns, you will see something in the word of God that you have never seen before. You will see something hiding in the word of God. You'll see his truth hidden there. The very first psalm that is written, we believe it's written by David. And it says, blessed is the one whose delight is in the law of the Lord. He meditates on it day and night. He's talking about meditating on scripture, lamenting on scripture, pondering on scripture. If you just open your Bible, read it, close it and go about your daily work, you you might as well have just read, I don't know, a magazine that morning. It doesn't have any effect in your life. It's not about the quantity of the Bible that you read, but it is about you taking a piece of scripture, just one piece of scripture, and holding that in your thought process all day. So as you're going about driving the car, doing the school run, sitting at uni, doing your work, you're meditating, thinking about that one thing that you've read. And you're saying to God, what does that mean to me? What does that piece of scripture mean for me in my life? And as you do, you will begin to understand something that previously you could not understand. You will see something of God that was previously hidden to you. What was not obvious all of a sudden becomes obvious. And when you've seen something of God that you've not seen before, you cannot not see it unless you take your eyes of him. You see, God doesn't want you to just read his word. He wants you to understand the words that you're reading. In the book of Ephesians, we see the apostle Paul praying over the church at Ephesus. And he realizes, he recognizes something about the people in Ephesus. He's like, they don't know Jesus like I know Jesus. They don't know about the power and the presence of Almighty God like I know about the power and the presence of Almighty God. So he prays this prayer. He prays that the eyes of their understanding would be open to see and experience God in the way that he can see and experience God. Because you do know, right, the eyes in your head, they give you sight, but it's the eyes in your heart or in your spirit that give you vision. And so when you're reading the Word of God, if you just read it with these eyes, you're going to miss. It's going to be like looking at one of those patterns. It's going to be like double dutch. Have you ever read the Bible and gone, what the heck does that mean? Shut the book and gone to work. 
It's because you're reading with these eyes. And Paul says you need to open these eyes, your spiritual understanding, because that is when you're going to be able to see the hidden things of God. You're going to know your purpose. You're going to understand His plan for your life. You're going to get a vision for your future, but you won't if you just glance at it. You need to ponder and you need to linger like you do with the magic eye tests. But you see, we live in a world where we also have an adversary. His name is Satan, and he is very real. And Scripture also teaches us that he does not want you to understand the concepts of God. He doesn't want you to see the hidden things of God. So his job is to blind you so that your spiritual eyes remain closed, so that you cannot understand the Scripture. How does he blind your eyes? Well, he does it by stealing your focus, busying your time, distracting you, pulling you away, making you forget. How many times you go two or three days, I've just not had time to read my Bible. That's how the enemy blinds you. Well, I'm not reading it because I don't understand it anyway. No, you take one piece of scripture and you linger and you meditate because God wants to heal you. He wants to heal your physical body. He wants to heal your marriage. He wants to heal your broken mind. He wants to heal your disease and heal your dysfunction. But how can you ever possess something that you can't see? So the enemy doesn't want to take you out. He just wants to blind you. Because if you can't see, then what you are is religious. Because you're going through the motions, but you don't see what God has for you. Psalm 16 was written by David in a time that he was desperate and fearful. And actually the whole psalm is a bit of a plea. It's a cry for help from God for a season that David was in his life. And he says, I keep my eyes always on you, Lord. With my right hand, I will not be shaken. He wasn't talking about these eyes because with these eyes, you can't see God. But he was talking about with these eyes, my meditation and my focus will always be on you, God. Because while I'm focused on you, I will not be shaken about the circumstances around my life. Because when these eyes are open, I'm going to see more than the situation that I'm facing. Because when these eyes are open, I'm going to see God as my deliverer. I'm going to see God as my fortress. I'm going to see God as my healer. I'm going to see that God is my refuge and a safe place to hide. You've got to see more than the situation that you're facing. You've got to be able to see where God is in your circumstances. So I want to take you to a short story that's found in Mark 8, where Jesus helps a man regain his physical sight. And I want to show you through this man's story of getting his physical sight, how it translates to us today, opening the eyes of our spiritual eyesight. So in Mark 8, verse 22, it says, When they, being Jesus and the disciples, arrived at Bethsaida, some people brought a blind man to Jesus, and they begged him to touch the man and heal him. Jesus took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the village. Then, spitting, gross, on the man's eyes, he laid his hands on him and asked, Can you see anything now? The man looked around and he said, well, I see people, but I can't see very clearly. They look like trees walking around. 
Then Jesus placed his hands on the man's eyes again, and his eyes were opened, and his sight was completely restored, and he could see everything clearly. Jesus sent him away saying, don't go back to the village on your way home. So though this man was physically blind, I think every one of us could say, we know what it is to lose our sight. That every one of us could say that there are elements and parts of our life that we know what it is to do it in darkness. Not sure what's happening not sure where I'm going in this area of my life. Thought it was this, but it feels like it's darkness. We don't see clearly. And when you don't have areas of your life that you cannot see clearly, it takes your confidence away. And when you can't see clearly, what happens is your mind interprets its own truth. You know, have you ever believed something and traveled there in your mind? Never actually happened. It never was what you thought it was, but your mind interprets its own truth. It's kind of like that hour of the evening that we call dusk. You know when the sun has set, but darkness has not quite come, and it's that, it's in between. You might be out driving and you think you see something, but it's not really the something that you think you see. It was that time of night a couple of weeks ago when I was, going up our stairs, and we have quite a large window on the landing. And as I went up the stairs, I noticed a man peering over the top of the gate. And it it alarmed me a little bit, but I ignored it. And I went into my room, did a thing. A few moments later, came out down the stairs, and there's this guy still peering over the top of the gate. So I called one of my sons, and I said, hey, there's a guy, and he's peering over the top of the gate, Luke was out. I said, could could you do me a favor? Could you go and see what he wants? And he looked and he said, mom, it's the gatepost. (laughs) I was like thinking, oh my gosh, like epic eye failure. But then he said, yeah, I kind of see how you saw that. And what I'm saying is when you can't see clearly, your mind interprets its own truth. And we are living in a generation right now that cannot see clearly, so they're making up their own truth. A generation that cannot see what real truth is, so it is creating and fabricating its own truth. I've never lived a time on the earth like it is now where everybody has their own version of the truth and whatever it is, is acceptable. And it's time that the church stood up and spoke out about the one who is the truth, the light and the way and began to lead the way and talk about the one who changes not because in a world that keeps on changing, we need to be leaning in more than ever to the one who changes not. Social media blurs your vision. We have a generation with blurred vision. Makes you think things are a way that they are not. Images are photoshopped. News is exaggerated. Media can't be trusted. We're led to believe one thing only to find out it's something else. So we're going about doing life, but we're not clear on how we see life. And so I believe we are in a time and a season where we, the church, we need to have our spiritual eyes opened because when the questions are being asked, you can say, I've built my life upon a rock. His name is Jesus. He's the same today, yesterday and forever. That's where my life stands. So in verse two, it tells us 
that Jesus led this guy by the hand outside of the village. And I sat looking at this scripture this week because Jesus did all sorts of miracles in his time on earth. Jesus healed in front of the multitudes and the thousands on the hillside, on the mountainside, down on the beach, in the synagogue, in homes and houses. The surroundings didn't matter to Jesus. The crowd didn't matter to Jesus. Jesus just did what Jesus did best, and that's healing and touching lives in a real and relevant way. But on this time, he chooses to take the man's hand and lead him away from the crowd, lead him out of the village to the outside, You see, the text says that Jesus became the man's sighted guide. I believe that Jesus wanted the man to understand something before he saw something. I believe that Jesus took hold of the man's hand so the man could feel how close he was to Jesus. Because in order for those magic eye pictures to work, you've got to be really close to the picture or you can't see what's hidden there. And the closer you are to Jesus, the more clearly you see. The closer you are to Jesus, the more you understand your life. The closer you are to Jesus, the more you get a new vision for your life. So he took the man's hands as though he's saying to him, though you cannot see, I see you. Though you do not know where we are going, I know where I am leading. Jesus was opening the man's spiritual eyes to give him vision before he ever gave him sight in the natural. I'm taking you out of the village, he says. And he led the man out of the village. Well, the village represented everything that was familiar to the man. I had a grandfather that went blind And I know that he had to have things in order and routine. And you couldn't upset the order of his routine because when you lose your sight, you need to know exactly where everything is. He was confident in his own home because he knew where the kitchen was and where the bathroom was. But if you took him out of his own home, he was unsure. Well, Jesus took this man away from everything that was familiar to him. He brought him outside of the village, even though that place of familiarity would have been a place where he lived in darkness, even though that place of familiarity was a place where he would have suffered rejection because he didn't quite match up to everybody else's standards, even though that place of familiarity was a place where he would have begged, where he would have been a man who was less than. He had somehow found security in his familiarity and he just accepted this is me. So Jesus said, I'm going to take you outside of the village because when you get close to Jesus, the familiar is silenced. And so he led him outside of the village. And Jesus said, I want you to be with me so that you see more than what you're going to see. And every time You come to the house of God. Every time you've chose this place over sports, this place over brunch, this place over going to see the family, this place over everything else you could have been doing on a Sunday morning, you have just positioned yourself to be alone with Jesus. And the familiar in your life is silenced because he's brought you by the hand and he's led you out of that toxic relationship and he's led you out of that work environment and he's led 
get you away from that abusive situation and away from that place of isolation. And he's brought you into the house of God. And he said, now you can see more than you could see sitting at your desk on Wednesday. Now you can see more. You're in close proximity to me. Our text says that Jesus spat on the man's eyes. I don't know what you've come to church for today, but I do not intend on spitting. I just think it's unacceptable. Even if you call yourself the son of God, it's wrong. Like, who do you think you are? If you were one of my boys, Jesus, you would be getting overhauled. Anyway, so he spat on the man's eyes. You know, we can read these stories with such familiarity ourselves that we don't actually go, you know, God, like... Of all the miracle signs and wonders you could have done, you spat. What, what was that about? And um, you've got to know this. Some people miss their miracle because they're too choosy over the method. You want God to do something in your life, but you're also dictating God how he should do what he should do in your life. You are going to miss your miracle If you start getting choosy over the method that God is choosing to reach into you and the method that he's using, it might be uncomfortable and the method that he's using, it might feel unkind sometimes and the method that he's choosing might feel embarrassing and the method that he's choosing might feel like you're going backwards but God is doing something in your life so don't miss your miracle because you're busy telling God that way is too messy because if you start getting choosy over the way God does miracles in your life then you ain't desperate and God is only drawn to desperate people. Because desperate people do desperate things to get the result they want. Desperate people sell their bodies. Desperate people sell their kidneys. Because they're desperate for something. Desperate. And this man was desperate. So he just let Jesus spit on his eyes. He's like, I'm not going to argue with that, God. And I've heard many reasons preached on about why Jesus spat on the man's eyes. And you know what? I've come to this conclusion. I just believe that Jesus was trying to communicate with the man. You see, the man could not see Jesus's facial expressions. So he couldn't see the compassion in Jesus's eyes like the woman that was sat by him at the well in Samaria. He couldn't see Jesus's body language Like the woman caught in the act of adultery when Jesus got down on his knee and got on her level. He couldn't see compassion and he couldn't see body language. So Jesus is doing all that he could do to make this man see and feel compassion. Because though the man couldn't see, what he could do was sense touch. Though he couldn't see, what he could do was feel. And do you know, back in those days, saliva was used for medicinal purposes. Now, Jesus is not using saliva for medicinal purposes like the pagans did, but he's wanting this man to connect the dots. He's put saliva on my eyes, and now he's touching me. Oh, Jesus is healing my eyesight. Jesus is healing my blindness Jesus asks the man, what do you see? 
And I love his response because I'd be like, you ain't spitting on me again, so I'm just going to tell you it's all fine. That's, that seriously would have been me. Fine. Might need glasses, very focused, but it's fine. So he spits on him and then he touches him and then he says, what do you see? And the man says, well, you know, I see people walking around like trees. I think the story goes on that he touches them again, but I began to wonder, well, there's two thoughts that came to mind here. I think in part, this story just shows us that not all miracles are instant. Sometimes there's a process, and that's okay. Jesus never left the man till he had his sight fully restored. But also, how did he know what trees looked like, and how did he know what people looked like if he was blind? Lest there'd been a season of his life where he'd once been able to see. And I began to think, hmm, I think that gives language for a lot of us in here today. I once had vision, and then I lost it. You know, when I was dating, I had vision for married life. And now we're five years in, I'm like, I don't even know what this is. I had vision for my children when they were toddlers. And now the teenagers, oh my gosh, it looks nothing like the vision I had. I'm lost trying to raise these kids. I had vision for my future when I was young and at university. And look at me now, I'm 40. What happened? Where did it go? What's gone wrong? I had vision and then I lost it because over the years, mistakes and misfortunes and deceit and lies and dishonesty are all a part of life and they blind you. And the enemy loves to put on your life layer after layer after layer of disappointment until gradually you begin to lose your vision. Some of us call it hope. But when He's placed that much on you over so many years, you begin to lose sight of who you really are, what your life's really about, where I'm really going, Jesus is wanting, Jesus is wanting, and Jesus is waiting for some people who are going to draw close to Him again. He's waiting to hear your voice say, I want to see again. I want to dream again. I, I want to know what it is to get excited for the future again, Jesus. I don't want to come to church and hear teachings about you. I want to feel your touch and be transformed by you, Jesus. So we asked the man, what do you see? And the man said, I see people walking around like trees because Jesus can handle your honesty, right? It's time you stopped pretending. It's time you started being honest with him. It's okay. I've been that person. I've screamed before God, where are you in my situation? It's okay because he can handle your honesty, but unless you're honest, he can't move. So stop telling God it's okay because he didn't die to give you an okay life. He died to give you clarity and vision and a hope for your future. Jesus can handle your honesty. My marriage is okay. Jesus, okay is not okay. 
Your marriage should be amazing, great, passion-filled, right throughout the generations, right throughout your lifetime. You know what? Yeah, my kids, they're good, they're good, but they're not going on with God. That's not good. No, you need to go back to Jesus again and say, touch my life once more. Touch my marriage again. Touch my kids again. Touch my health again. Jesus, I am desperate because He's the God of more than enough, but you have got to ask. And then Jesus says to the man, when He's given him his full sight, He says, you don't go back to the village from where you came. You don't go back. What was he saying? I think he was saying, well, hey, you just got vision for your life. But if you go back there, you lose it. I've just given you sight for your future. But if you go back the way you came, you will lose the sight that you had, the hope that you had for the future. Because the people you were running with back then will always remind you of who you were. They will still refer to you as the blind man, even though your eyes have been opened. They will still expect you to beg, even though you can now work. So you need to not go back in that direction because you can't go forwards and backwards at the same time. And I have seen so many people come to the house of God in their hour of need desperate for a touch of God, desperate for a miracle, for a marriage partner, for a baby, for a financial need. And then when they get what they want from God, we do not see them again. Why? Because they've gone back to the village. I've just gone back to my old way of life, talking and asking advice of who I used to talk. They're reminding me, you were the kid off the council estate. Who do you think you are? Who do you think you are trying to be something? No, 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 no. God says, I'm pulling you out to take you forward. Stop trying to go back the way that you came from. And I think that God has got something that He wants to land in your heart today. I don't think God wants you running around with tree sight. I think He wants you to have eyesight, foresight, insight, like He needs you to be able to see more than you currently see. And I believe that God is faithful to His Word. I believe that God honours His Word. And I don't believe that His Word goes forth and lands flat on the ground. But if your heart is ready and receptive, then I believe that God wants to grow something new in your life today. I'm going to ask us all to stand and we're going to pray. And this is your moment to say, Jesus, I might be in a room full of people, but I I know that you see me. I might be in a room full of people, but can I be the one holding your hand? I, I know I'm in church this morning, God, but I put this time aside just to spend time in your presence. I put I put this time aside, God just so I could be away from the village. And you know what? I might not know what you've walked away from this morning. I might not know who you've walked away from this morning. I might not know the environment that you've walked out of this week. But I tell you, he sees you. He knows you. And he said, I want to give you a fresh vision for your future. 
So with all eyes closed, Lord, I pray, God, that none of us would leave here tonight, today, Lord, fumbling around in the dark. Lord God, that we wouldn't leave here feeling unclear about what we are to do in the different circumstances of our lives. That God, we wouldn't leave here still feeling blind in that relationship, blind in that household. Blind, God, in the decisions that I have to make tomorrow. But God, that we can walk out of here in a godly confidence. That though we may return to the office and return to the home, God, we are going, walking differently, Lord, walking with you and walking with your strength and walking with the clarity of your vision and knowing what we should do. I pray, God, for every single person that cries out to you during this time of worship, for every heart that is open, Lord God, that you would hear them saying, I want to be able to dream again. I want clarity for my future. Father, I thank you that you honour your word, that you sit on your word, that you're true to your word. And I thank you, Father God, for the fruit that is going to come from the lives of everyone who hears it today. Amen. Before we go into this time of worship, I want to pray for someone today. And maybe you're here and maybe you're the person who says, I feel like I've been blind all my life. Like I don't even know who Jesus is. And this is the first time that I've actually been able to hear that Jesus can give me sight for my future. Jesus can give me hope when I feel hopeless. Jesus can take me by the hand. Jesus wants to be close to me. Yeah, he does. He does. Many people in this room have found something in God that a lot of times religion can't see. And I'm inviting you today to ask Jesus to become your personal Lord and Savior. And if that's you, I just want you to articulate this prayer in your heart as I pray it. Let him open the eyes of your understanding today. Father God, I invite Jesus to come and live in my heart. Forgive me for trying to do this life on my own. I trust you. I'm asking for my spiritual eyes to be opened. I'm asking for Jesus to be a part of my life. I'm asking for him to guide me and lead me for the rest of my days. Today, I accept him as my Lord and I call myself a Christian, a child of God. In the name of Jesus, amen. Thanks for joining us today. We hope that you can take that message and apply it to your life. Also, don't forget to take a moment to subscribe, rate and review this podcast. To get connected or stay more connected to the life of Liverpool One Church and learn how you can join us live, visit liverpoolonechurch.com. Thanks again for joining us and we hope to see you again soon.